So there was that crap segue you were spending 30 seconds rooting around for, Dave. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Floorhammer podcast, the light take on the grim dark. I am David Pettit and as always I'm joined by the man who always expects the Holy Inquisition, <laughs> it's Rich O'Keefe. Hey Rich. Hey Dave, that was very creative that one. Yeah, it's almost like you came up with that one. <laughs> as always you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Floorhammer podcast, our website floorhammerpodcast.com and our Instagram handle at floorhammer underscore podcast. So, Rich, what we got coming up today? Right, yeah, we'll start with a bit of hobby progress and uh, slight foreshadowing uh, rolling out of excuses on my behalf. And we'll move on to GW releases because, oh my word, they drop a crap ton of stuff at the Vigilus weekend. Yeah, where did that come from? There's like no publicity whatsoever. And then suddenly, bam, Space Marines Gene to the Cults. Straight out of the warp, mate. Spoiler alert. Oh yeah. Come on, Dave, <laughs> you ruin everything. Um, I've got gameplay to talk about with my orcs using the actual orc codex this time. Yes. Not my making up of the orc codex. It was quite accurate. It's pretty fair. good, yeah. Uh, versus my mate Phil's Howling Griffins army. From the US. From the US, yes. Also, we've got two topics to cover today. So we're going to talk about transports and our learnings and thoughts on transports and do a faction focus on the orcs um, because they just come out and uh, I do love me some orcs and you know, Dave does too, even though you might not think it. I do love the Orcs, it's just I have a bit of a problem with the players. Not taken personally. And then for hobby tips, we will move on to talk about oil washes, because I've been doing a little bit of experimenting in, in uh, prep future projects. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually interested in this, because I would also quite like to do some in future projects. Right, let's start with the hobby progress. Uh, as always, Dave, you can go first. Cheers. Yes, I have... Arguably done more this week than no, probably not. Done You've done more than me. Let's just be. Let's let's just get it out in the open, mate. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, so I primed my two Torox from the last episode. Uh, so they are fully built, with the exception of Sponson guns on one and uh, the two turrets I took off just for ease of painting. Wise, especially with the side guns, I think. Yeah, so I, I like I said last time, I left the auto cannons on for the first one and realised my mistake when I was building the second one, so I, I left them off. Just because I used stencils to paint it, and when you are using stencils, it's so much easier when you've got a flat surface. Mm -hmm. The auto cannons took away from that flat surface, so I just wanted to get in behind there because it's quite hard to do it with nooks and crannies. Um, so yeah, like I said, I painted them with stencils, so I gave them black undercoat, so my army is going to be quite dark, uh, in a sense. Grim dark. Yeah, grim dark. I have actually changed my mind about the Scion's armour, actually. I'm oh, gonna, okay. I'm going to do it a grey rather than a black. Okay. Um, so the, uh, so it'll make the orange still pop, but not as dingy. Yeah, okay. I suppose. I want them to look rugged. Um, but still regimental. Okay. And I think black makes them a, look a bit almost unfinished sometimes. Like your Black Templars, then? I'm a Black Templars. <laughs> no chains on these bad boys, so they definitely won't look finished. Yeah, I was going to say. There's not enough, not <laughs> enough silver to go around. 
But yes, getting back to the main point, Richard. So yeah, I because they were going to be quite dark, I used uh, black as the actual undercoat. Uh, and then I went for a Mechanica standard grey equivalent. So I'm using Tamiya paints um, as they're in our local hobby shop. And they airbrush significantly better than Citadel ones? They do, exactly. They, uh, I think I use a 1 to 2 ratio of paint to uh, thinner. Yeah. Um, and it goes through the airbrush fine. I've tried the same combo with GW paints. Some of them work fine, some of them don't. There's a scientific method about pigments and all that sort of crap that I think we've probably covered in a previous episode, actually. But it tends to clog up my airbrush, even with the air paints I've found. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I go for the, the Tamiya paints, thin down, and essentially it was a Mechanica Standard Grey uh, first coat with stencils and then a dawnstone equivalent over the top so basically a dark gray and a lighter gray over the top and you move the stencils around between coats to get that camo effect yeah so, so it's digi camo so they are essentially like uh, how it's pixelated it? right yeah almost like tetris shapes that's a good way of putting it for the visual did you even play tetris i, I did yes uh, not the original, no. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, your generation. Yeah, it's, it's basically uh, moving Tetris shapes around, uh, spraying a bit of grey onto it, and just keep moving it around until you've got, I'd say, what, 50, 60% covered? Yeah. So you've still got a lot of black on there. Um, and then you do basically do exactly the same, preferably with different shapes, um, with the lighter grey. Okay. And you go over some of the darker grey that you've already done and some of the black and you just it's like a random pattern and it's come out really well it does look fantastic yeah i'm quite jealous actually yeah so uh, shout out to fallout hobbies Uh, i think the u.s company so uh, it was a bit of a shipping time not too long though at all yeah and they've they've come out much better than i could anticipate and hopefully with the scions and with their spot color of orange and i'm going to do a few sort of hazard stripes of orange on them as well um, just to tie it all in, but it should look very good altogether. So you've got quite a lot of mileage out of these stencils, right? Because you've used one stencil on two vehicles. Yeah, so you get you get two in a pack. Yeah. Um, I've used the one, so they're self-adhesive. So there's not saying you can't use them ever again. But the stickiness is almost gone on the first stencil. So I think right. I could get another one. I could get another Torox size miniature out of the way. Um, a lot of the stickiness was eroded away by my fingers whilst trying to get it into the nooks and crannies. Okay. I reckon if you've got more of a... It's not saying that Scions aren't Imperial vehicles, but if you're using an Imperial box... So um, a Rhino, basically. A Rhino or a Land Raider or something like that, they'd go a lot further. Okay. Um, or big panels like on an Imperial Knight or something. Where yeah, you can cool. actually sort of stick the stencil to it. Um, I think they go a lot further. But, I mean, even with my sticky hands and moving them around constantly and... I'm sorry, what? We're still talking about <laughs> modelling, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, no, even even with my hands touching... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, Clean it up, good. Dave. Clean it up. Um, so, yeah, moving on. Your go. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> even with me sort of moving it around the model constantly. And it's, it's quite a small-ish model. So, there was a lot of moving of the stencils around. Um, I think I could get three of them. Um, good done. value. While the while the stickiness is there, not to say that you can't keep using that stencil for other bits, like on top of a Land Raider or mm. or even just like sort of pinning it down with two fingers. But uh, yeah, they've they've come out really well. I am still undecided on the bases I'm going to use for the Scions, though. I'm undecided because some painters on Facebook, uh, namely I've I've noticed it's Dave Paints, so he shares a lot of stuff, and what he uses is he uses dark bases even when he's got dark models. 
and somehow it works and I can't work it out but I thought about using sort of um, roadway sort of mm-hmm. resin bases yep. for the signs like they're, they're moving through like an armoured column moving through a, they're using, a city they've got grey digital camo so an urban environment will work well with that on the basing exactly but I don't want their urban camo to work too well so that but they won't actually disappear into the tiles <laughs> though. that's not how it works but what I meant was I didn't want them to sort of blend into the bases too much on the flip side, you can't have a really bright base because their urban camo would not be working whatsoever. Yeah, like doing them in a snow uh, environment is not going to work. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's it's trying to find a happy medium. But yeah, that's that's what I've done this week. Two Torox. Beat that. I don't think I can. So rolling out the excuses, round two. Uh, more real life got in the way of hobby uh, since the last episode. I have been renovating my son's room, as I mentioned. Pulled up the carpet to get the carpet fitters in to replace it. And I had to replace a third of the floor because it was absolutely wrecked by a, what appears to be a previous flood from an adjacent room. Oh, so, joys of owning a house. So, I did all that. I won't bore you with the details. So, I did have time, however, to get my 1,000 points of Jakari all mounted up on double-sided sticky tape on some boxes. Nice. Um, That's the first hurdle. That is the first hurdle when there's like 70-something models in the army plus vehicles. That sounds fun to play. (laughs) Got them all down the garage on a day that was of a moderate temperature, but the garage was obviously warmer. It was a moderate level of humidity and the garage was slightly drier. And I warmed the paint can in advance, uh, GW's Corax White. And uh, I'm sure you can tell that I'm leading up to what I'm calling the great Dukari disaster of 2018 where the entire spray batch powdered up on me real bad. Um, so I've, They lumpy? Y- yeah, they were lumpy at the time Ooh. of spraying them. So I, I, I sense a turnaround coming. Yes. So despite having ticked all the boxes of prep, including you know sacrificing a goat in order to make sure that the paint sprayed properly, it still didn't spray properly. <laughs> it's quite apt for drinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, I got this nasty, speckled, powdery texture across basically all the models by mm. the time that, that I'd finished spraying them. I mean, it was so bad that there was powdered spray all over the front of the can, so the front of the can was actually white. Oh. So I've not had that happen that bad before with the spray paint. The worst worst thing is then it starts spraying more spray onto the models it was just, as well. It was just yeah. a disaster. So I let it dry. Um, I went and had a mope about it for two days. And uh, posted a rant on our hobby group. And someone's like, I've had this before. Uh, attack it with a toothbrush and hot soapy water like you would a brand new Forge World kit. And right. it actually worked. Did it? Yep, because I think that the can... I think it was a duff batch. Um, I think there's something wrong with the binder in the batch. Because it was just powder that was coming out. Um, but what that meant was that the powder wasn't adhered to the model as strong as it should be, the pigment powders or whatever. Mm-hmm. So actually attacking it with a toothbrush just loosened off most of, I would say, 95% of the texture has gone, so which saved. I'm good enough with. It's yep. saved enough to actually paint them and get on with it. Yeah, I mean, once you've got them on the tabletop, you're standing three foot away. You're not going to tell anyway? No, I'm a little disappointed, but it will be all right. So I mean, I've got... Who's to, who's to say that armour is completely flat anyway? Sure. It's, it's battle armor. damage. Battle damage. Well, I mean, you're not going to have a flat piece of metal unless you're a space ring, but even that's going to have, like, chips and dents yeah. and lumps in it anyway. It was just where it had gone kind of like orange peel texture. That was what I was a bit upset about. But most of that has come off. And, you know, by the time I finished, like, the water had, like, a white deposit at the bottom where all these little particles had scrubbed off. So I did manage to get rid of most of them. Did a trial for the scheme. 
So I mentioned last time it was Baharoth Blue. Yep. Um, so I primed them white with a airbrush primer in the end. It's going to take me forever, but it's actually going to work properly this time. Yeah, you, you sent a picture to me in, your, in the WhatsApp group and that's good. Yeah, so I went with the Baharoth Blue, which was ridiculously bright. Like, it looks too bright. <laughs> but I then gone on to the oil wash over the top, which obviously I'll talk about in the hobby tips, how I did it. Um, you used but the oil wash on the miniatures, on the infantry miniatures. I did, yes. Okay. It was quite quick and easy. I've only ever seen it on tanks. And so. it's knocked back the brightness of the blue just enough so that it looks a nice bright colour, but doesn't look like childishly bright blue. Yeah. Um, not so, garish. No, it's not garish. So, because uh, it's quite bright, I'm going to go with dark, probably rhinox hide. Uh, like fatigues underneath the armor. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go with bronze on the weapons to darken it down a bit, and then just like some red accents throughout, so to yep. offset the blue. Spot, so spot color. yeah, so it's, uh, it should come out all right in the end. But nice. uh, yeah, I had a few days where I was like, am I binning this or or am I strip? The other option was to strip it all back. Yeah, I don't really no. want to strip primer off seventy models. So yeah, I think it turned around all right. Right, so let's cover the GW releases because goodness, there have been so many. Right, so on Friday, I was starting the notes for the show, and I said to Dave, I was like, cool. That was, that was pretty far in advance. It was, I know. That's I that is, do it on the morning of. That is organised for us, FYI. <laughs> and I texted Dave, and I was like, oh, not much to talk about on releases this week. Boy, was I then turned around by Games Workshop. What, yeah. a, what a joke. On Saturday, they just, they just released everything. Yeah, I mean, they probably had internet issues over the weekend. That was what it was. It was for an event at Warhammer World, mate. It was. Well, the reason we had two topics this week is, A, because you had a shortish game. Or yes. It's not big bat rep review this week. And two, not much in the way of Games Work releases. And then suddenly the floodgates, i.e. the weekend, opened. And like I said at the start of the show, there wasn't much publicity about this thing. There was a bit of November the 24th video. And it's like, what the hell's that? And it was an Empire, uh, Ultramarines banner. And you're like, oh, God, don't tell me it's another crappy move. <laughs> Apologies out there to anyone who liked the Ultramarines movie. I, I, I did, actually. But. It's probably because you were a child when it came out, literally. Yeah. There, there are like three or four good minutes in that movie, and there are some, there are some good bits. But generally speaking, I, I'm not a big fan. Anyway, let's move on. Ultramarines. I should be more excited about the Marnius Calgar release than I am. Because really? the model's f***ing awesome. Right. I just don't want to paint any more Space Marines. Oh, right. I was going to say. <laughs> even I was like, ooh, Hello. Ultramarines are looking pretty attractive now. Uh, yeah, I mean, gone are the days of his 2D pose, or even the one where he's sitting on the on the throne. In fact, have you seen the picture of Calgar um, through the ages of him sitting on the throne? Yeah, him getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Bigger and bigger, and it's got a badden next to him in the same time zone. It's a badden, a badden, a badden, a badden. It's the same model. Poor Abaddon. No, he is massive. So he's been primarisized. Primarisated? Yeah, he's been primed. Primed, that's much better. Yep. Or Primarius Calgar, as Nick from uh, Old Average Brick Gaming is calling him. Nice, nice. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, he's awesome. And the honour guard that come with him, the the two Ultramarine dudes with the shields and the swords, look sweet. Those shields are amazing. Yep, and half the price of Forge World. Yes, and in plastic, which is really exciting. So I think it, it he does look awesome. I know at some point I probably will get him. Do you know what? He's got a lot less filigree to paint than the Rabute Guleman, who I still haven't finished. So maybe oh. I'll probably end up buying and painting Minus Calgar in like two years' time before I finish Guleman. But enough about what gets me excited, because Ultramarines really do, even if it's not the thought of painting them. The Gene Steeler bikes, I think you... Oh uh, my good God. Had a I, bit of a yeah. moment. <laughs> I was at work and I couldn't stand up for like 10 minutes, but... 30 seconds. <laughs> 
Yep, thanks, Rich. Uh, no, these Gene Stiller cult bikers just look incredible. I mean, they're on they're on freaking dirt bikes. Uh, a simple head swap, and they instantly become rest in peace rough riders <laughs> from from the Imperial Guard. So. Oh, yeah. And there's a guy on a quad bike as well, like an ATV with like a rocket launcher on the back of it as well. More importantly, he's hurling a couple of sticks of dynamite tape together. Yeah. Because it's the 41st millennium and, and the Driving Imperial Man Ford still Ford. uses dynamite. <laughs> Driving forward while throwing dynamite forward. Bit of an issue there. Yeah. And <laughs> also the other, with, with more Gene Steeler Colts releases, one, they said the Codex is coming next. They actually said that. Did they? Yeah, yeah it's I in one of the that. articles. No, it says, okay. your codex is next. Oh, okay. I got, which got, is good. Got confused. I mean, there's very little else they could do in between now and then anyway. What else have they got? Like the agents of the Imperium or whatever that people are like. That's that's going to be the next Orc Codex, mate. You wait and see. Oh, yeah. And uh, the, the bit I really love is it came out as a rumor engine, like literally last week, and then oh, got the, released this week, yeah. is, the gar- is, is the planning... The guy, the guy, the call tactics it, guy. Yeah, he's calling on the phone because you love because you love forty k guys on call, phones. Yeah. And the tactical display that he's kind of leaning over was what was spoiled on the rumor engine. And within like two minutes, someone's like tactical display, and then Google Maps image of Warhammer World. Yeah, it's to awesome. To show that they actually modelled it on the tactical display. Yeah, it's 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 a top down Google Maps view of Warhammer HQ in Nottingham, England. It's, it's so amazing. cool. It's so cool. Complete with the uh, one of the tanks on the display is actually where the tank is outside. It is, the yeah. World. Although it does bring up the question, where is 40k set in, in our galaxy? Because Terror is supposed Nottingham. to be Terror. <laughs> no, but Nottingham, they're, they're planning, like, ter- I don't think, A, there's no Gene Steeler cults on Terror. Pretty sure the Emperor sorted that out, even if he's sitting in a throne in a box. I don't know, I've seen some foreheads in my time. <laughs> <laughs> and two, if he's going to preserve anywhere... I don't think it's going to be Nottingham. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Sorry to all the people from Nottingham. <laughs> Sorry if you're from Nottingham. Yes. Yeah, where we live is not much better, so I, I won't start throwing <laughs> around insults. I think it's just cool that they put themselves in a model. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just brilliant. And on top of that, there was a, a new Warlord Titan uh, revealed at the uh, Vigilance event as well, with a yes. massive cannon on his back. That model is fantastic. And do, do you know what the highlight for me is? It's 38,000 years in the future, or whatever. They've got all this impressive interior technology. The pilot of the Warlord is actually hardwired into the system in order to allow him to control it at a level that you can't even imagine. It's so complicated with the Mind Impulse unit. And there's a dude on top of the Titan with a telescope working (laughs) out how far away the enemy is in order to shell them. (laughs) (laughs) It's just the most Imperial thing ever. (laughs) Can't hear a thing. No. He's, he's like three feet away from this cannon that's the size of a small tank. The cannon itself. Like, he's going to get obliterated the second it fires from concussion. Oh, I'm sure they've got, I'm sure they got like 68 other guys just in the line <laughs> waiting. <laughs> it's just brilliant. Like, the guy, the, 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 the princeps piloting the actual warlord has all the data fed directly into his brain. But don't worry, this guy's out there shouting grid coordinates Dave, down a town of telephone. Dave knows 200 metres away. Oh, dear. But... It reminds me of the Thanatar, the um, Mechanicus oh, 30k. The si- well, they're yeah. both siege vehicles, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. so it's the, the Thanatar siege automata. Not that I have one and not painted, but... Um, <laughs> don't tell the wife. Don't tell the wife. But yeah, it, it looks freaking cool. And you could just imagine this thing walking down and obliterating a small city on its own. From, like, the other side of the planet when no one even knows what's going yeah. on. It's great. As long as Dave can see it with his telescope, it'll yeah. be fine. And last but not least, 
The standard Christmas bundles have been released. I mean, we love our Star Collecting box sets. And we may have mentioned them one or two times, but if you want a Star Collecting box set on steroids, those Christmas bundles, I mean, we don't know the price yet, but they have some ridiculous amount of stuff in some of those boxes. Yeah, I mean, what were they last year? 100, 120? I think something like that, yeah. Yeah, but it's essentially the size of one and a half, uh, two and a half, Start collecting boxes, most of them, aren't they? Well, the Eldar one comes with the Wraith Knight. Oh, wow. Plus a bunch of Eldar stuff. The Wraith Knight has just... in more than a start collecting box on its own. Yeah, it's funny because like all the other artwork is like the Space Marine one shows them like taking up the whole of the front box, but this, the Eldar one is like this Wraith Knight in the middle and then these tiny little Eldar Dudes. standing next to it. <laughs> it looks funny. Um, no, they, they look like they're going to be fantastic value. Most of it's stuff you want. Yeah, I am a bit... Uh, I'm not going to say upset or annoyed, but I'm upset and annoyed that um, two of the box sets are Primaris. People like Space Marines, Dave. Yeah, but two separate Primaris. I always knew that in the Christmas bundle there was going to be Primaris because they are the cover boys. Everyone loves them. Everyone collects them. But two separate ones where the second one is pretty much the same as the first, but with a Dreadnought instead of a Repulsor. Yeah, they're not so great. They're, that 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 is a bit of a downside. Um, I mean, it comes it comes with this. I think they come with the sculpted. So they're imperial fist. They come with the sculpted imperial fist shoulder pads. Yeah, which is cool and all, but they could be crimson fists as well. They could be crimson fists, but I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? The one that I've got my eye on, maybe looking at looking at picking up, is the uh, Mechanicus one. Okay, because you want to go with the knight or yeah, because you get uh you get a start collecting box set essentially, and then you get the rust stalkers. Yes, the dune crawlers. No, the dune crawlers the the tank. The oh, rust right. stalkers are the the guys on the long spindly legs. They're terminator equivalent. Oh uh, but all yes, like the... yeah, the the infiltrators and stuff. Yes, that's yeah. the one. And you get the Castellan robots, mm. and you get a different HQ. So you looks it looks like you get a lot of stuff in that. You, box. you practically get an army. Yeah. yeah, so it looks great. So that's uh, that's that's a, that's on the watch list. Mm. But yeah, as as with the start collecting box sets, cracking value and, and all good stuff that you want. Right, enough complaining about Space Marines. Let's talk about a game where the other player complained about Space Marines. Well, how's that for a crap segue that you spent 30 seconds rooting around for, Dave? Admirable. That's, that's the word I'd give it, admirable. Many thanks. No worries. So, yes, as mentioned, I played my friend Phil and his Howling Griffins. Uh, he's over from the US for a couple of weeks. Uh, so, we haven't played a game for about seven or eight years. Oh, wow. Um, so, we thought we'd better get one in while he's here. Usually, every time he's over, it's drinking or Hammer World or bowling. Yeah, there's got to be some form of chicken involved. So, it's either bowling or Nando's. Or Barcelos. Yo, Barcelos chicken. Sorry for people who are not in the UK, but Barcelos chicken is just winning. <laughs> So Phil used to kindly host all the old Apocalypse games that we used to play back in the day. Um, he has a couple of armies, but he has lavish love on all of his armies. They are, one, massive collections, and two, uh, involve colour schemes that drive him slightly crazy when he paints them. So, of yeah. course, he's doing Howling Griffins, because who doesn't want to paint red and yellow quartered space marines? As everyone in the room raises their hands. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he's got an awesome army. Like he was explaining that his assault marines have like eleven transfers on every model. He's gone like ham on the transfers, in yeah. Britain, and uh, they, they look really cool. So it was really nice to play a nicely painted army uh, with oh. my half painted orc army. Oh, it was only a subtle dig <laughs> yeah. at you then, Dave. Only a subtle dig. <laughs> Hoping it's going to go under the radar. So, deployment-wise, we decided to rely on our, our what's becoming our firm favourite, um, the open war deck. Yep. Um, for the deployment maps, because you just get so much choice. Yep, mixes it up. Yeah, so we ended up with the one that's a... Uh, one, one player gets the V-shaped deployment, where 
their deployment goes from their back table quarters to the middle of the board. Okay, yeah. And the other player gets the two back corners of their own board. So it, it runs from the middle of their backboard to the center of the side. So you get this right. V and two triangles shape. Yep. Probably doesn't translate very well verbally, but... Uh, no, I know what you were talking about. Well, so. well good. That helps Hopefully everybody else. as well. <laughs> uh, we decided to play Maelstrom um, just because uh, it's quick and easy to pick up a, a game of Maelstrom, just dish out the cards and off you go. Mm-hmm. Um, the Griffins were used in the Dark Angels Codex. Okay. Because uh, Phil prefers it to the um, Space Marine Codex. Yeah, I mean, what what are they a descendant of? What chapter? Uh, actually, the Ultramarines. Ultramarines, stuff. So, but he he just thinks it's it's a better fit. Yeah. Um. So he has like Deathwing in okay. his army to represent the Terminators. So they were uh, they were deployed in Deep Strike. Yep. And the rest of his army deployed on the tabletop. So the scouts, he's got a couple of units of scouts with sniper rifles. They took nice. the high ground, so they got good visibility. Love the scouts. You love some scouts with sniper rifles. And he had a mechanized force on the ground that took to the streets. Ooh. Uh, the orcs filled the gantries of the sector in Mechanicus terrain pieces that I've got. Okay. With yep. all their heavy weapons. So the looters the were up there. and stuff, yeah. That's right, yeah. And then the wagons just rumbled up the roads because that's basically the only point on my battlefield i can actually deploy the wagons because they're <laughs> massive um and they were just rumbling straight forward for the, going for the marines so i got turn one um couldn't really do that much actually because the deployment gaps were quite wide mm-hmm. um so i just rumbled up the streets with the vehicles just, Bill, just could you just repeat that did you rumble up the streets again i did would you like me to say rumbled up the streets one yeah. more time and i then proceeded to do what every gamer is always proud of and panic shoot at something that looks scary mm-hmm. uh, so phil has a quad Laz Cannon Dreadnought. What? So this is a Forge World thing. It's the Mortis Pattern Dreadnought. Oh my good god. So yep. it has two twin link Laz Cannons. Yep. Uh, it has twos as well. Yes, I was quite fearful for the life of my vehicles, which normally I'm like, oh, 16 wounds, no problem. Four Laz Cannons plus like other heavy weapons, I was quite concerned. Um, I couldn't take it out because it's a Dreadnought and they're annoying to kill and they yeah. don't degrade. Ooh. I actually love Dreadnoughts. They're one of the best things in the Space Marine Codex. They really those are. those don't degrade either. No, they don't. Um, I killed off some scouts as well, um, which is harder than you think because those camo cloaks... Two up saving cover. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're, they're really good. Plus, plus two to your save. Yeah. It's brilliant. So they, they were actually quite durable. Um, so I didn't really achieve a lot in my first turn, which was not the best. Well, I'm standard for you. Ha- ha- Ooh. Ooh, he's getting his own <laughs> well, back. Well, I'm just... I'm just sw- you're hitting it up. I'm just swinging <laughs> after getting punched in the first place. Uh, turn one for Phil. He did what every Space Marine player always does, and his captain gets out of whatever transport he happens to be <laughs> yes. sheltering in in order to boss all the vehicles around him um, and make them better. Because obviously, your bubble for characters doesn't work unless you're on the battlefield. Yeah, I mean, uh, captains are well known for their tank, <laughs> tank <laughs> tactics. Yeah. Fire at that thing! Really go far over there. I can't even see it. Um, his return fire killed off a bunch of looters. Uh, and nearly trashed one of the battle wagons straight up. Ooh. Like that mortis dreadnought pumps out a lot of damage. Go as on I the feared that it would. Uh, and Phil took the las cannon plasma gun, plasma no las cannon twin plasma gun turret on his razorback. Oh, nice! The dark angel. Specific. Yes, nice. and it, you know what? That thing chucks out a lot of shooting. Obviously, you've got the las cannon, which can strip away large amounts of hull points. Yeah, uh, you get in short range, and that plasma is double tapping for four shots. Because it's a twin plasma gun. Yeah. Overcharged. Uh, it's quite unpleasant. Um, so, yeah, there a lot of damage hurled out for, by the heavy weapons in the Must turn one. Must be a one. lot of points, though. 
Yeah, I don't know how many points it is. I mean, Laz Cannon's 25 points plus Plasma Gun's 13, so Twin will be 20 something. So you're looking at 50 points for a turret. Yes. That's quite a lot. On top of the 50 point model or whatever it is. And the rest for a transport, mate. It's, It's a lot of points, but, you know, it did churn out a lot of fire. So my turn two rolls round. I did what every Orc player always does and rolls the transport vehicle with the knobs and war boss in it straight up the middle of the board. Yep, standard. Um, <laughs> uh, the others were kind of languishing at this point because that firepower had knocked down their movement characteristic. Oh, yeah. Like a brick. Now, orc vehicles are awesome because their ballistic skill doesn't drop. So, yeah, they start with a crappy ballistic <laughs> skill of five. So. <laughs> I know, right? But you, you start with that crappy ballistic skill of five, but they don't they doesn't get any worse. They start on everyone else's degraded profile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but thankfully, they don't get worse. So, I, I couldn't move them much, but they could still pump out a hell of a lot of shots. Yeah. The flash kits absolutely wreck some scouts. Those flash kits are so good now. Yeah, they really are. I underestimated how good it is to have an orc that hits on a four up. Yeah, I mean, well, you've mm. never played Gretchen, have you? Uh, I have some grots painted. Yeah, the unit of ten. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just just chaff. I need but, some more chaff actually when I yeah, redo those, my armor. Those flash kits. What are they now? Strength six, two damage. Yeah. That's the big one. The damage two is massive. Yeah. Um, side note: I also got in a game against Tim, uh, his Drakari, and I did infinitely more damage to his flipping raiders and vehicles with my orc army than my ultramarines because everything's damage two. Yeah. I mean, yeah. having those damage two on the flash kits is phenomenal. A lot of it's high strength as well, actually. Yeah, I mean, the strength six and seven on different different things, like the looters have basically auto cannons. Um, so mm. yeah, I mean, the they're quite effective when they when they open fire. But then Phil got his turn two, which meant the arrival of the Deathwing, which ah oh, yes, in points terms is about half his army. <laughs> They are a lot of points still. They are. They uh, deployed via deep strike as they always do, mm-hmm. and uh, in the movement phase, they killed all of my looters. Hey, eh? uh, is there some sort of rule I'm missing? <laughs> there is a Deathwing stratagem. So obviously, a lot of the clans, uh, regiments, chapters, etc., yeah. they have their, a stratagem that's based around their their chapter or whatever their, yep. their trait. Yep. Because the Dark Angels Codex is one army. What you find is, like, the Ravenwing have their own stratagem, the Deathwing have their own stratagem, and the Deathwing one lets them shoot in the movement phase after you deploy them. So you deploy them at the end of your turn by a deep strike like normal. So you essentially get two, two shooting phases. Yeah, I think, it's two, I think it's two command points. Okay. But then Phil had the warlord trait of you can get them back. Of course he did. Because <laughs> everyone does, uh, including myself. And, yeah, they just turned up and killed all the looters in the movement phase because Storm Bolters are amazing. Yes. Nice. Uh, that was a shock. I was not expecting that. No. <laughs> With them came the librarian. Ooh. <laughs> Blue in librarians. Come on. Ah, uh, just psychic powers in general. Says the thousand songs <laughs> player. Yeah. The Black Templars like yeah, that. That started to rub off. Oh, that, I've that got training, my imperial hat on. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, the Dark Angels' powers are a funny bunch because they've got like a mixture of debuffing powers in there. Like they can give you minus one to hit. Uh, they can give their a lot of buffing to themselves they can re-roll in combat i think it is yep um and they have a lot of character targeting stuff so like they've got the mind worm that can just pick out a character and do loads of mortal oh, wounds to a character so, yeah sort of nice. so they've got some they've got some an unusual psychic discipline but i found them you know as, as good as any psyker you don't have any defense with the orcs or i don't with my lack of weird boys so they can just throw out whatever powers they want so they're quite good though hmm and having them deep strike means you can put your power where you want it, kind of like you do with your Thousand Suns. Yes, yeah. Um, you can kind of pick pick the point you need it. 
then the second round of long-range firepower was too much for my vehicles, and they started exploding left, right, and center. Oh, <laughs> things no. started just flying off them. The Nobs wagon got completely trashed. Uh, which was unfortunate because the Deathwing was standing right next to it <laughs> when it exploded. Um, to the point where, uh, obviously, they were within nine inches. There was something else behind the wagon. I couldn't deploy it because, obviously, you, when your vehicle blows up, you disembark. Mm. Uh, I couldn't really get away from them. Um, so they got hosed with, again, more Stormbolter fire. Which knobs have got two wounds each and a four up save, but like Stormbolters chuck out like yeah. four shots apiece. Against like Plus six, the assault cannon. 60 Stormbolt shots. You know? Yeah, it was painful. Yeah. Um, then the Deathwing charged the knobs. Oh, as if just to make it. Add insult to injury. Yep. Yep. And uh, basically kill them off. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Go on the Deathwatch. Deathwatch? Deathwatch. Deathwing. Deathwing, yeah. Um, if it was a Deathwatch, I'd have bricked it long ago, mate. <laughs> the fight cannons probably would have just destroyed half my army. <laughs> Frag cannons. And they basically left me with the war boss and the war banner left. Just in that squad. Well, they're the two characters that the Death Watch hadn't uh, declared a charge against. The Death Watch? Oh. Oh. No, I've done it! <laughs> the Death Wing didn't charge it. I, sorry, I edit this section, so I'll just take that bit out. <laughs> Make you look like a mug. Um, that was all that I had left in, in that section of the battlefield, so it had gone quite, quite wrong for me. At the cost of, like, I think two Death Wing in total. No, the listeners can't see you pointing <laughs> <laughs> I'll see the smugness on my face about saying something correctly. My turn three starts, and I thought it's time to actually get tactical with the orcs rather than. Imp- we what? mentioned it after our tactical. last <laughs> with orcs. After our last game, I mentioned that I basically put myself too far forward, threw myself at you, and got marmalized. Because mm-hmm. I think that was the actual term you used as well. It marmalized. was because you liked it. Yeah, you like um, the flash gets bailed out of their vehicle um, in order to move on to an objective, giving up some shooting power. God, I'm hungry. Focus, Dave. Stop thinking about food. <laughs> right. So, the flash gets bailed out and moved on to the objective. I used their wagon that had been reduced to its lowest movement profile to basically park in front of them and shield them. Nice. Yep, to keep them alive. Because uh, flash gets 30 points apiece, mate. They're quite expensive. Like, their guns are horrific. So, did they go up in price? They then? did go up in price, yeah. yeah. but then they got buffed to They hell. got massively yeah. better, but they did go up in price. So, yeah. which is fair. Yeah. <laughs> I, think they're, the oats, I, I think they're worth their points. Mm. Um, you just got to be a bit careful with them. The the other wagon kind of limped round a corner to try and finish the dread off because that thing was tearing them to pieces at this stage. Oh, yeah. The war boss, after fluffing it horribly when he got charged and, well, he heroically intervened. Heroically in massive air quotes, <laughs> violently intervened. He stumbled into combat. <laughs> yeah, uh, he did and tried to punch the librarian to death, but his five-up save was immense. Ugh. However, this time he totally flipped his lid, killed the librarian and all three remaining Terminators. Oh, man. Yeah. So, it's, uh, it's, you t- so you take the Relic Blade, don't you? The Relic, cl- the relic, relic Power claw. claw, yes. Yeah. So that's flat damage three, isn't it? Yeah, it's flat damage three and it re-rolls to wound. Ugh. So he hits on a two, wounds on a two, because he strengths 12. Re-rolling. Re-rolling ones. So he doesn't re-roll to hit, but as long as you get the hits in, you're going to kill stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then, then, then from the round of good invulnerable saves came the round of bad invulnerable saves, and he just tore them all to pieces. Nice, nice. <clears throat> good to see that war boss actually doing something. It was, yeah. <laughs> After other games where he's just fluffed it horribly and died. Walked into, oh, I suppose it was a hellbrew last time. So yeah, missed that was a, that was an underestimation of uh, epic proportions. <laughs> Uh, so I'd done quite a lot of damage in my turn and was feeling pretty good about things. Nice. Um, Phil started his turn off by the captain and his ca- the captain now being joined by his squad getting out of the vehicle um, and taking out the flash gits wagon with melters. Um, melter guns are not to be underestimated at short range. Uh, they really do exactly what you expect of them if they hit. 
if, yeah. if they hit, that's the major thing. With I've always found with mounter guns or combi mounters, you just constantly rolling ones and twos. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And the the other thing is they've got a wound as well. And the the normal wagons are toughness eight, but the flash gets wagons open top so they can shoot out of it. Yeah, uh, makes sense. Makes toughness seven, so okay. they're wounding on three. So that extra extra little pip makes a difference on the yep. dice. The assault squad tried to take down the uh, the remaining wagon. This, it was funny because Phil's second Ed's um, um, stubby. He it's a second edition assault marines box set where oh, they're all god. metal. Oh god! They are. They were but at this point. They landed on the second level of the uh, sector mechanicus terrain, and I was like was it creaking. <laughs> I was. <laughs> yeah, almost. I was very nervous about getting close to them because <laughs> if they fall that far and break apart, like the table. <laughs> make a hole in my floor um yeah i mean they are lead so also i don't want to get lead poisoning as well so you've got to be careful <laughs> they landed on the top level of this sector mechanicus like gonna duff up the looters except the death the death wing oh almost catch, saved it except the death wing <laughs> on their deep strike was that was that an edit <laughs> just hosed them down so the the, the uh, assault marines are like standing on top of their like um sort of twiddling their thumbs like uh, what are we gonna do now <laughs> Fortunately, jetpacks let them fly straight down to the ground in yeah. the movement phase, upsetting people with those jetpack rule changes. Oh, yeah. And uh, then charged into the back of the wagon. And it was a nice reminder of why battle wagons are absolutely awesome. Like, they shot it, they flamed it, they crack grenaded it. He then punched it with a power fist, it's and the wagon alive. just was still alive. Nice. Limping, but still alive, because those 16 wounds just take so much effort to get through. Not to be underestimated. And then, the lone apothecary in Terminator armor... Who'd come down with the with the with the Deathwing and was now left on his own, uh, squared up to take on the war boss. Is that a good idea? Spoiler alert: he gets absolutely wrecked. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he didn't charge though. He just he was just did some shooting and prepared for Overwatch fire. <laughs> the Flashkits uh, did a pretty good job of defending their objective, okay. which is why they got out. Because defending objective for two points is is pretty good. good. Yeah. You can really swing a game. They then just annihilated the remaining scouts because they stood still this time. And fired their heavy weapons and uh, made a bit of a mess. Yeah, disgusting. Yeah. And shock horror. The war boss charged into the apothecary and basically just didn't stop him moving and went straight just through, went him. through him. <laughs> the Terminator apothecary is really disappointing. Um, like we, Phil and I were talking about it. It's so it gives it gives them a feel no pain, doesn't it? Or the ch- no, so the you chance can to get you can chance back. to revive. You can either heal someone mm-hmm. or you can on a four up revive a fallen. That was it. So yeah. that you get a whole Terminator back potentially. Old rules were feel no pain. Yes. Now now you get wounds back, so I guess you can bring models back as well. You can bring is, them, which is massive for a Deathwing Terminator. To be fair, it's you can get a lot back. Definitely. The problem is he's Situation. not allowed any weapons. What? Well, he has a storm bolter. Okay. He has no combat weapon. But. You thought he'd put that Narcissium to good use. The Narcissium is designed for cutting through Terminator armor to extract the gene seed from the Space Marine. It doesn't even have an AP value or a strength buff or anything. Hmm. Like, it should do something. I just want to hurt it. Well, he should be allowed to another <laughs> So basically, he's just a lot of points for, I hope I bring back a Terminator. Yep. Or as it's, and, and they've got uh, what I'm going to call Necron Syndrome. I killed all the Terminators. So he can't bring anything can't back. Can't bring anything back. So he's just yeah. standing around like a f-ing lemon. Poor guy. No, he's dead now, so it doesn't matter. Because the war yeah, boss poor, absolutely obliterated. <laughs> <laughs> so Phil took his turn four, uh, which we would decide would be the last turn of the game. Uh, this is just due to time. Which gets turn four. Yeah. That's pretty good. Mm. Normally it's, it's turn three and game's Space done. Space Marine's dead. <laughs> this is true. Uh, the Razorback destroyed the last of the wagons because 
that gun on top is good if you don't kill the vehicle. Uh, the captain epically failed to uh, try and take out the, the, the wagon with his melt, combi melter, as you say. It's, it's, it didn't hit on his two. I was going to say it's very hit and miss, but that is very cliche. It's very miss and miss. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like them unless I've got more than three. Yeah. So he he didn't manage it, but that that um, I'm telling you that Razorback's not not a bad choice. Mm. And I, he's a lot of points, but it's it's pretty good. And it left it to the veteran sergeant to line up his shots on the war boss. He is the last guy left from the assault marines uh, after the vehicle blows up and kills all his buddies. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, oh, God. <laughs> Pulls out his plasma pistol. He's got the the bead on the war boss. The opportunity to kill him. Phil goes anything but a oh, and stopped himself. Nice. And then he probably rolled a one and blew up. <laughs> It's like his moment of glory. He's got an old school plasma pistol as well because it's the second ed box set. So it's the really the really old school looking one, and like clearly just malfunctioned at this point. And uh, yeah, took him too out. old. <laughs> yeah, and the war boss uh, the war boss got away with it. However, there was not a lot left on both sides. I had the war boss and some flash kits, and he had the captain, a few dudes, and the uh, razorback damaged. Mm-hmm. So yeah, pretty pretty close after all. Actually, um, not a lot left. And uh, that that last objective for the defend uh, was what swung it in my favour. Nice. And what what were your sort of take takeaways from this? Yeah. So Phil said that he was a bit disappointed with the with the assault marines, and he's had that in previous games. I've had that as well. Have, I, they're a bit underwhelming. They have two attacks each. Yeah. Well, that's it. Well, they have one attack actually, technically, and the chainsaw gives them the another. Chainsword, yeah. Like. They need to be. They need to have three attacks. It's. it's uh, I've used them before as as assault marines, and I will pay the price to upgrade them to Vanguard veterans because the the assault marines are very underwhelming. Whereas it, the Vanguard veterans at least get extra rules, albeit they're a bit more expensive, but they get two attack base. Yeah, it's, I mean they do as much damage in combat as space marines with a combat knife. Yeah. Like, it's just not right. Yes, it's not worth it. So, yeah, I, I'd like to see them get some sort of buff in the future. He was uh, surprised at how much punch you get for out of the wagons. Um, he was trying to. He was comparing them to a Lehman Russ. He felt that they are uh, because of their well, points difference. They're yeah. they're on par because they're okay. They don't hit as well as a Lehman Russ, but sixteen wounds. Yeah, and the thing is, as soon as a Lehman Russ moves, it's hitting on fives, which is what the orcs hitting on. Mm. Its turret fires two d six, same as the Lehman Russ. Their strength eight, same as a Lehman Russ. Do you see what I mean? Like the Lehman Russ does d three damage, but I'd rather take the flat two. Yeah, it's the same on average, and yep. it's reliable. It's more reliable, um, and yeah, I was. Uh, he made a very valid point, and also they're cheaper, and they're a transport vehicle. So yay for wagons. My take homes uh, was that the flash kits, uh, as mentioned, are expensive, but man, they pack a punch. Yeah, like I'm so happy to have them. Strength six, two damage, <laughs> lovely. They just chuck it out. They they can take on most things like. Heavy infantry like Terminators, they can have a pop because they're damaged too. Yep. Light infantry, they have enough shots and they guarantee that How they're going to get, get three each. Oh, yeah. So you get options. Vehicles just chipping away loads of two damage on vehicles. Like, you can, I'm surprised that you can do quite a lot of things with the flash kits. Looters are awesome. Honestly, those auto cannon shots with the new rules. So it's reroll ones to hit for bad moons and the extra shots on a six. Yeah, Daka Daka and, and the bad moons ones. Yeah, well. just. To churn out so many shots from the looters. Yeah. And the, the knobs are a bit of a glass cannon. Yeah, like, well, we saw that in our game. Yeah. They, they hit like a freight smashed. train. They smashed me, but when I hit back, half of them died. Yeah. yeah. So, mm, you know, swings and roundabouts. But uh, overall, pretty happy with the army. i got to get some Gretchen in there to get the command points up. Yeah. There's so many cool stratagems. I'd, I'd recommend, what is it, the, the Grot gun, the tractor beam. 
Oh, the tractor cannon, or yeah. whatever it's called, that thing's tractor- busted. Auto-hitting flyers. Ugh. Yeah, but I've got to get the, the troop scrots in there in order to have a battalion. With their oversized the revolvers. Yeah. <laughs> they look cool. It's a shame that they're not multi-poseable in their fixed pose, but... You yeah, and if you have you don't have too many of them, then they all look like three years of anyway. ten. Yeah, yeah. I, I ba- they basically you basically deploy them, then clear them away. Unless you use the stratagem, there's a because s- I read the stratagems properly for the orcs. Ooh, uh, one of them is the about. the grot shield. Uh, if your sh- opponent's shooting comes through a unit of grots uh, on a two up, you can pass wounds onto the grots. <laughs> so you basically get like the <laughs> bodyguard rule on a unit of grots that just happens to get in the way. <laughs> It's really cool. Oh dear. Do you want to move on to the topic? Yeah, let's get rolling. Yes, transports, transports, transports. Love them, hate them, everyone has them. And some of them are sh- Oh, it's so disappointing. Like, they're such polar opposites. I can't think of an average... Someone's going to immediately correct me on this, I'm sure. I can't think of an average transport. They're either really good or just utter garbage. I'm struggling to think of one that sort of sits in the middle. Yeah, because at one end you've got the Venoms, Wave Serpents, Battle Wagons, and then at the other end you've got the Land Raider. (laughs) (laughs) Strap yourself in, Space Marine players. Yes. (laughs) The Rhino. Oh, The The Drop drop Pod is the worst of them all. Oh, God. You did put the the Chimera is Please explain. Oh, the Chimera... See, I put the is because... What are you transporting in a Chimera? A guard squad. Where are they going? Are they going forward to hold something down? No, they're going forward to die. And the Chimera What's wrong is... With that? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a guardsman's life, granted. Oh, I'll, I'll take this Commissar hat off. <laughs> like, I think a Chimera comes in at roughly about 100 points. Okay. What does it do for 100 points? Gives the army a multi-laser. Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> I wish they were better. Um, I mean, they do fire a reasonable number of shots, the Chimera, but... They're amphibious. Oh, God. Why would you trigger me on that? (laughs) Like, why would you trigger me on that? So, a little backstory for everybody else who's... I would like to know who's actually used that rule. To fill everybody in as to why I'm just so upset, is I had a guard army, like, 10, 12 years ago, whatever it was, when I first got into a hobby, actually, it's longer than that. I loved my chimeras in that army. I loved that they were amphibious. I waited... (laughs) I waited and waited and waited for a board where there was a water feature on it. And then I played on the board with a lake on it. And some f- nut immobilized my own <laughs> chimera before I could drive through the water feature. And then they took that feature away from the vehicles. I never got to use the amphibious rule. And I went on about it, like, all the time. Now, I knew transports were going to be upsetting topic, this, Dave. But, like, <laughs> I'll put this small violin down. Put your poking stick down. God. Oh, dear. Uh, but on the flip side, you've got some amazing multi-purpose transports. You've got Raiders, Venoms, uh, specifically from the Dark Eldar. You've got the uh, Harlequin Starweavers. I find them yeah. really good. And the key is you use the word multi-purpose. They're not just a transport vehicle. Mm. They're a They're... gun platform that can transport dudes or women. Yep, very good, very good. Nice. And uh, the key is like it needs to do something more than just transport and the transport needs to be not the only price you're paying like i think as mentioned with the talk about the gun wagons versus the lehman russ conversation they do all the similar sort of things and they transport which is why they're really good the tower rocks that you've talked about already a gatling cannon. it has a lot of shooting yeah and, and it's a transport mm. the rhino is two storm bolters Hooray. and it's 74 points if you do that <laughs> 
It's just two storm bolts for 74 points. Yeah, it can transport marines around, but like, it doesn't really do that that effectively We've either. also paid for those really expensive marines on top. Who are doing nothing while they're in the Rhino because it lost its fire points and it lost the ability to open the hatch out the top and fire weapons out of it. <laughs> yeah. It's garbage. It's and literally turned into a metal box again. The drop pod is the worst because it doesn't do anything at all. So... At least it can come down in your first... Oh. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I really hope they do something to fix tr- transports. And all they need to do for the transport-only transports is just bring their points down. If a Rhino was 35 points instead of 75 points, I would take them again. Yeah. I used to take two or three in my army. I'm not spending near 200 points on three Rhinos. <laughs> it, it's, it's true. It's 300 points of does nothing. It's true. So I really hope that Chapter Approved is going to take care of this. Now, that does put a lot of pressure on Chapter Approved coming out and what it'll actually do for the game. Yeah. It, they did the points adjustments in the last one, though, and some of them were quite significant. Yeah, it's 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 not a game-breaker. Transports aren't a game-breaker. I mean, 200 points, 215 points, whatever it is, in an army of 1750, 1500, whatever you're playing, isn't a lot. But it does take a bit of the edge off of your choices in the codex um fair enough if you're having a friendly game i mean we still take them because we have a friendly game but yeah some of them are literally just having they're just first blood counters and they don't do enough and and i don't want to sound ultimately negative about transports in a whole because even when i was kind of are but (laughs) yeah well let's just turn that around shall we so when i did use rhinos at the start of eighth Mm because that's what my army was from seventh and i bought it across well sixth i didn't really play seventh the rhinos were amazingly useful i have some i've had some awesome uses of them mainly frustrating my opponent by charging their combat units with my rhinos after I've shot them with the squads that got out of them. And they were really good for that. I pinned down Wolfen, you know, all sorts of things that couldn't quite kill the Rhino in one go. But that's all it did. And people kind of adapted to vehicles charging things by just killing the vehicles really quickly. Yeah. They didn't. They weren't ever allowed to be around in order to commit that charge more recently. Because they're great for soaking up Overwatch. I've done some great things with them. But people are kind of clued up to that now. And they just kill them because they're really easy to kill. Yeah, I, the the way around is to take Razorbacks. So Razorbacks have been really popular this edition because they are still transport, yet the gun on their turret is ridiculously good. I mean, if you've got the, the two assault cannon yeah, that's the variant, one. it's horrific. It's firing um, 12 shots. Yeah, for for not too many points, if you think about it, because it is a gun platform, essentially. Yeah. A, a hard to kill gun platform compared to say say a guardian squad or something. And what's good about it, that particular instance is it also doesn't take up a slot in your force org, so yeah. you're not worried about not being able to take heavy support. You can also take your heavy support on top. So, you know, there are a lot of positives to them, and and the good ones that we've mentioned are good because they do several things. Like the gun wagon has mentioned infinite times this part this episode. The the raiders raiders are amazing because they're mm. cheap, fast. They have a heavy weapon that can take out stuff, and they deliver the troops, and the troops can shoot out of them. Like they tick all the boxes and things you want to do for an eighty-five point model. Yeah, well, it's eighty-five points, and their, their liability is uh, you blink at them, they die. But they're eighty-five. But do points. they? They've got a five-up in run, well, which helps a lot. Yeah, and you know, peop- and you've got lots of them because they're cheap and they do something in your army. You don't want to take four rhinos so that if someone kills one of your rhinos, it's not so I think bad. The underlying, I think the underlying thing is they're cheap. You don't need to also take uh, a ravager with them. 
No, you don't. The ra- they are the Ravager. Yeah, exactly. The, the Raider does fills up most of those tick boxes that the Ravager also has. And to be fair, they're so cheap, you can have both anyway. Yeah. Plus, as we've seen in enough games of our own, certain vehicles can be a bit of a liability. One, vehicles that are likely to get wrecked and kill the guys inside. Also, exploding vehicles. Yeah. Easy to kill transports that blow up in your own lines can cause havoc on your own battle plan. Now, that's yeah. obviously a risk you take on with a lot of vehicles, but when there's no reward, you're just taking on risk. Yeah, I mean, uh, albeit gun wagons are very good, but we saw it in the game we played uh, against the Thousand Sons, uh, your orcs. Yeah. You lost four flash kits to an exploding transport. Yes, it was a gun wagon. Yes, you've got lots of uh, other things to it, but that was still a transport blowing up. That yeah, it's an inherent risk anything. for you. That could have been a truck, which, again, isn't a great transport, which is why you don't what? see many of them. Have you read the rules for trucks? Not recently. You get a, you get a save on a six-up. It reduces all damage taken by that shot to one because you blow off some irrelevant piece. Like, someone's like, oh, yeah, I hit with my last cannon and just like, does one damage. Nice. Nice. Nice, because you've just you, blown you, off some irrelevant panel that no one really cares about. Okay, so they, they have uh, <clears throat> gone somewhere to fix it. And they're fast. Codex. They're open-topped. I just really hope that something happens to make mechanised armies that are just for mobility good again. It's rhinos, it's chimeras, it's things like that that are mainly giving you mobility. I want to see them come down in points to kind of make them more attractive. And I'd love to see drop pods usable yeah. again. There's in not, 40K, not there are necessarily few... the uh, seven drop pod space wolf army. Wow, you're really triggering me on past game hurt today, aren't Bam. you? I just oh, think there's. I just <laughs> that think there are. That was you just crying inside, like. I just think few things are more cinematic about a game of 40k than Space Marines drop podding from the sky to sort some shit out. Like, yeah, it's like completely iconic for them. Yet I don't think I've seen anyone play a drop pod apart from that one mistake you made where you included it in your Black Templars army. Yeah, in like they just don't get used because they're 90, 70, 90 points, something like that, and they're garbage. They are. They are essentially. I just garbage. really want all those things sorted out so you can balance it out. I don't think it's going to break the meta or anything like that to have people running around in vehicles like you kind of expect to see. Yeah, I totally agree. So, fingers crossed. Come on, chapter approved. Give us transports back again. Right, after beating that dead horse, let's talk about orcs. Dave, why do you love orcs? Because if I start talking about why I love orcs, it might fill up the rest of our time and the next show. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, orcs are fun but not in a clowny way so in the same way that i find harlequins really good that they're not the stupid jesters of the old editions they've gone from being the clowns to being the sinister i'm going to rip your face off clowns yeah orcs have done exactly the same they're no longer the jokers hitting each other in the well they still do hit each other in the face but they don't do it in a funny way it's more sinister they are beating each other up to come and rip your face off and it it just that that sort of ridiculousness still still appeals to me. Yeah, they just toe the line between being humorous and silly. Yeah, they, they are they are humorous, but they're not silly. That that yeah. is that is a good way of putting it. And something about orcs that I just clicks with me. I just get orcs, you know, on a, on a level that yeah, I. No, I <laughs> they're brutish. They're rude. They're ignorant. Yeah, all these things, Dave. Thanks. No. Th- I just click with what orcs are, and I can't explain it very well in words, which doesn't really work on a podcast, but never mind. 
It's, but for it, a background... It the, like the difference between the two of us. I'm more sort of regimented, doing things to the line, which is why I'm the Imperial player. And yeah, you are the brutish, loud, obnoxious guy. Yep, it's not wrong. But from a background perspective, like I love what they add to the game. Mm. Aside from the silliness, they're like this relentless threat that is a threat to everybody. Yeah, if, like, if they all if they all clambered together and stopped their infighting, they would be unstoppable. Yep. Their their sheer desire for violence is what keeps everybody else alive, because (laughs) if they were structured and organised to a certain degree, they would just take over everything. And I think of all the armies, they give you the biggest scope for crazy Mm modelling. Like, if you want to make something look out there... Orcs are perfect for that. Yeah, I mean... Because they love the, taking everybody else's stuff, right? Yeah, the number of conversions you see mm. on the internet of converted... So everything is a converted uh, looted wagon, I should say, a looted battle wagon. And then you've got everything from the Caradron overlords in uh, Age of Sigmar all the way to uh, a chimera with a, a few panels stuck on the yeah. side <laughs> saying, don't shoot me. It's... They they are they are great. See, I'd love to do an orc army, but then I'd go too regimented and do commandos, and literally just have an actual army <laughs> <laughs> rather than pissing around, which is what orcs are really good at. So this is why I can't be trusted with doing orcs. This is why you just can't be trusted. So we, had, I mean, we had to think about army builds, and the first one that jumps to everybody's mind uh, for orcs is the orc horde, yeah, the green tide, the green tide, and I can tell you what it is not. A fun army option, Phil. Yeah, it's, it's it's no fun to play against or play with. No, I talked to Phil when we were playing a game. He played a guy the other week. Hundred, they're playing twelve hundred points. Guess what? I played Phil. Uh, the guy had a hundred and twenty orc boys. Great, that sounds That's, really fun. It's just it's just abysmal. Like you That's can't. Been great keep... to look at. Super cool to look at. Yeah, just abysmal to face. Yeah. Like. You just can't kill them. Half an hour and that's his first turn done. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a good thematic game and you might want to do it for a narrative, but I personally wouldn't want to do it as like a hobby project. One, you're going to go mad, mad painting that many orcs. Mm -hmm. Trust me, I've painted a lot of green skin and over multiple (laughs) armies and you do not want to paint that many orcs. And also, it's just... Where's the game going to go? Like, no. Yeah, it's just... Yeah. Uh, uh, the other options, so there's so many different units in the Orc Codex and Orc range that another army you could do is just doing the elite stuff. So I mentioned it before, doing a commando army. So you've got, is it Boss Snickrot? Yes. He's, he's the uh, the commando chief, war boss, whatever. And then do commandos with that. I mean, that is a simple, small detachment and you could do them in trucks. So you could start adding from there. Um, I don't know what else would be sneaky enough from the Orc Codex to go with them. I mean, you, the thing with Orcs is, because they are slightly comical, you could have things like, I don't know, all sorts of vehicles in a commando's army and just do really crappy job of trying to silence the vehicles. <laughs> like, you, you've got all sorts of options Inflatable with the conversions. and stuff. All sorts of craziness like that. The other army that really jumps to mind is the Speed Freaks list. Oh, so yeah. that is all the fast-moving stuff. So clan-wise, that's your evil sons. If only they did some uh, fast orc vehicles mm. uh, that looked quite decent and came out recently. And if only there were six different options that you could choose from. Oh, man, they look oh, so, so good. good. So I-, I love that. I love that concept of the army. They are just 50% out there to kill everybody, 50% trying to do it faster than the guy driving next to them. It's it's just totally Mad Max, isn't it's, it? It's just Bedlam. And somebody they may want to have knocking around is the mechs. 
Yes. So you can have the mech approach where you have all the big vehicles like the Gorkonauts, the Morkonauts up to your stompers. Yes. Of just stuff. Again, you can be really creative with the with the kits. Even the killer cans as well. Yes, yeah, killer the, cans. the smaller. <clears throat> yeah, you could have just a whole range of walkers that the mechs have just cobbled together out of stuff because they do look like they're cobbled together out of stuff. Mech workshop as well. I love that mech workshop model, Dave. Yeah, it looks great. It's just this rules aren't very good. Well, yeah. Just uh, you should add it into the uh, middle of the cathedral because the orcs always have that cathedral on your board. <laughs> As well, your other option is your heavy clan theming. So we kind of alluded to this. The bad moons would tend to have all the elite stuff because they're the richest and they've got all the teeth, so they got all the good stuff. And they're they're good at shooting as well. They are. So you could tailor it to their rules and have I don't know lots of. All looters. right. Yeah. 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 I see where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> and the speed freaks are, are your evil sons. So you've already alluded to commandos. That's your blood axes um, with the tactics. <laughs> um, so you You've could got the goths in their close combat uh, prowess. Yeah, that's about being the elite of the elite. So you're going to have all your knobs and mega knobs and stuff in there. So like the clans can really push you down a certain direction. Yeah, but not only can you sort of get heavy theming from the clans. I mean, even your missions could exhibit a lot of heavy theming. So as much as we've maligned the green tide, is there a better army to face for a true meat grinder? Oh yeah, mission. you want you want Crimson Fists or Black Templars versus Orc Tide. Oh, so st- isn't it still too soon for the Crimson Fists oh, to mention the Orcs, Dave? Yeah. <laughs> it's, t- it's too soon for Grimaldus in a cathedral to face. <laughs> oh god! And uh, I just think that that's that's the ultimate. Like, I mean, you'd have to kind of set up some rules so that the Orcs don't just rules wise yeah. like don't hose the enemy off the board because they're actually that many boys is actually really good at shooting. Because there are millions of them, and Daka 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 gives them like a bazillion shots. But having the meat grinder approach, where there's just this wave of orcs coming forward, and uh, you you just trying to churn your way through them, would be good as like a narrative mission. You certainly wouldn't want to face somebody doing that every other week at a gaming club <laughs> or something. That's not so fun. Or the command, like a commando raid, again using blood axes and the commandos, like you say, and have play those stealth missions that the, the book allows you to do, and we mm. talked about before. Implement those sort of rules with a with a commandos army would be pretty cool because nothing catches people off guard like orcs thinking tactically. A clever orc is a scary orc, indeed. And as we mentioned in, in previous faction focus, like you can do a lot to set your table up to lead itself towards that army. So you, I mean, you mentioned the mech workshop. Yep, I'm in love great. with that model. It's yeah. just wonderful. I wish it had better rules, but it would add to your gaming table to really orcify. Oh, yeah. One of my favourite display boards or ex- exhibits in the exhibition is the uh, Black Orc Down. So, oh, this is at Warhammer World, yeah? Yeah, war- at Warhammer World. So it's a play on Black Hawk Down, uh, where the helicopter crashes in the middle of a, a, a shanty town, essentially. Yeah. And uh, this is basically a Valkyrie that's gone down, a mit- Militarum Tempestus Scion valkyrie that's gone down um, and there's all these orcs rushing and it's in this orc shanty town and all of the buildings look amazing in amazing you mean they're utterly crap but they yes. look just what you expect an orc exactly village it, town yeah i mean it's just just metal living area metal sheets all like sort of plastered <laughs> up the side of a structure <laughs> And yeah, the, the the setting of that board is great. I mean, it helps with all like the the, uh, the scions um, repelling in and stuff, and the Torox. It looks cool, yeah. Torox is because yeah, they have a, they have a, help. a convoy yeah. of them coming in as backup, don't yeah. they? Yeah, oh, it looks it looks so cool. But yeah, that that, that goes to the orc, that was an orc terrain exhibit board, which looks great. And every time I've seen them build those type of boards, and I've seen the mech factory done as well, mm-hmm. it's really easy to build out of. 
just hobby materials. So like card, plastic card, like movement corrugated trays, corrugated yeah. card, movement trays, uh, all these things basically just cut up into random shapes and built around a structure. Once you paint it and weather it, like it looks really orky because it's just random bits of stuff they found Crap, around yeah. cobbled together. Um, and it reminds me of what I termed as that apocalypse board. So Dave probably doesn't know what I'm referring to, but for no. me, one of the best apocalypse boards they ever did in the apocalypse rule book was the orc one that had like the orc submersible and it had yes, the orc no, mine laying yeah. ship that was just floating around dropping off mines. But again, all these things were just, they look cobbled together, but they also looked orky because they had like teeth on them and like everything together. Yeah. Great. So also thinking of orcs, there are a couple of stories that in the, in the Black Library and also snippets from codexes that really spring to my mind. Now, I haven't read the Beast... What is it? The Beast... Beast Arises? Beast Arises series. A uh, friend of ours who's Ian, who's a massive Orc fan... Really? Has, you might have heard. <laughs> yeah. Has read them and said they were really good. So I probably would want to get into that at some point. Yeah, he, um, said, he said it makes Orcs seem scary rather than the sort of comical appearance that they have in the in the tabletop game. Orcs are genuinely scary and a threat to the whole universe. Yeah. And one of my favourite snippets comes from one of the previous codexes, and it's basically an Eldar philosopher that is musing on what the Orcs are and basically credits them with being like the pinnacle of creation. Um, They're the ultimate fighting machine, yeah. Yeah, but he just just talks about their society uh, and basically, like, to sort of quote from it, he says the society knows no strength or angst and is not trying to, to deal with societal problems that other people like Eldar and humans are trying to deal with. Their only concern is with being the best. Yeah. And they don't deal with complicated questions and difficult situations that orcs just wouldn't think to even bring up. <laughs> All they care about is strength. And therefore, like, they are the, the pinnacle of creation which I thought was amusing for someone as arrogant as an Eldar to think that about another race is kind of concerning. Um, and the other one is, your, your mention of commandos, is the commando attack on a guard outpost. It's basically written as like a regimental report of the court-martialing of a commander who basically said, like, all oh, these orcs like ambushed us. They like came out of the drains under the base's defences and were completely worked. And the, the Imperial Guard are just like, "Are you crackers?" Because like the orcs don't don't fight like that. <laughs> so, like half his men had been slaughtered by this commandos ambush, and, and the, the Imperial Guard just wouldn't. The, the, the hierarchy just wouldn't believe him, and they just <laughs> they just have him shot against the wall because he's clearly talking nonsense. Because orcs don't think like that. Nice. It's really good. And I know you haven't finished reading Brotherhood of the Snake yet. Is this a spoiler alert? Small spoiler alert. La 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 la. There's an epic battle described versus the orcs where they basically, the the iron snakes go like full Sparta on the orcs. Nice. With like locking shields and like fighting them with like shield and spear and then repelling them. And they've got like serfs behind them that basically they throw their bolters behind themselves, behind the shield wall. The serfs reload the bolters and then give them back to the marines for them to just hose down waves of orcs. Nice. It's really awesome. Worth a read. So, orcs are a great enemy for everyone to have in 40k from a flavour perspective. Yeah, and I mean, though, orcs and tyranids are what keeps everyone else at bay. Yeah, and I think from a flavour standpoint, they've got oodles of character and uh, every single army opportunity you could ever want. Mm. So do you want to talk about your oil washes? Yes. Good, because I am genuinely interested in this one. Not that I'm not normally, but uh, it's my five-minute comfort break normally <laughs> at the end of an episode. <laughs> 
Dave loves to listen to me talk. Right, so oil washes. I guess the first question is, why use oil washes? And this is a technique that I picked up from the Masterclass books that Forgeworld used to do. Okay. I don't know if you can still get them. The Imperial Armour Masterclass. And it's basically how the Forgeworld team paint all of their vehicles and dioramas and everything that the forge world guys churn out and not necessarily using games workshop products yeah that's a big one i would say games workshop products in those books make up maybe 10 percent of what they actually use yeah yeah there's all sorts of third party stuff but it yep. they are very honest with what they use yeah and that's what was so wonderful about it is them opening up and saying this is what we use and a lot of it comes from military modeling techniques to be fair if you spent 150 quid on uh, a tank then Games Workshop missing out on a tenor is probably not gonna probably not gonna hurt them. Yeah, yeah, it's a fair point. And what they use a lot is oil washes. And the reason they use them is they are a lot more controllable than a acrylic wash like Agrax Earthshade. As mm-hmm. much as I love Agrax Earthshade and go through pots of it, a lot of the time you can't once you've put the Agrax or another similar wash down, you can't really get rid of it. But oil paints take I think it's like three or four days to actually fully dry. Oh, you should have used that for your hobby progress uh, excuse. Oh, mate, what a missed opportunity. Yeah, sorry, mate, it took like four days to dry. <laughs> awesome, going to keep that in the back pocket. And the reason is you can kind of wipe away the effect after you've applied it and, and modify the effect after you've applied it. So you go about this by doing your normal priming your model, base coat it in whatever colour you want it to be. So like, let's just take your Tauroxes, for example. You would do the whole digi camo scheme before First, yeah. yeah before you apply any oil washes and what you've got to do is in order for the oil to not make a mess you need a surface that it can kind of move over right a matte surface from acrylic paint is basically very rough textured it's start soaking it up, so it gets in all the pits and grooves and things and, and you can't really move it around and do anything with it so you need to gloss or satin okay. the, this the surface so gloss gives you kind of like the ultimate control over the oil paint and makes it kind of flow off of all the high detail. So gloss is your recommendation? Gloss is what I've used so far with with good success. And you can use satin if you want it to look a bit grubbier. Okay. Because it doesn't rub off the surface as much with the satin because it's somewhere between matte and gloss. So you need to coat it in a choice of gloss coat that is not going to go away when you use the thinned oil wash so that my thought my normal go-to is dela rowney which i've mentioned before as the airbrushable varnishes yeah the problem is they are white spirit soluble and so where you're using spirits and your oils because they can't use water uh you can kind of actually rub some of the gloss away and, and undo it so you need to go for like a water-based gloss so i use like floor polish so um pledge or the old company clear make this clear floor polish that you can spray on and that it forms a barrier okay if not like vallejo do gloss do you airbrushable thin, water-based do you paints. thin it down when you put it through your airbrush that stuff you don't have to but okay. the vallejo stuff you do right you could thin down gw's ard coat uh, quite a lot and use ard coat if you wanted to it's it's basically an acrylic gloss that won't dissolve when you put the white spirit on it clear gloss yeah so you mix up your oil paint and i usually go for a dark brown with a touch of black yeah, so uh, with grubby actual oil. Grubby, dirty yeah. looking. Um, and you mix that up with white spirits, like I don't know how much, until you make a wash, basically. Mm-hmm. And you can vary the darkness depending on how you like it. And there are two ways to apply it. So there's the pin wash technique, which is great for tanks or anything with panel lines. 
because you just touch it on the panel line. Tail vehicles. Yeah, and the, yeah. the paint is drawn along the panel line by capillary action, which is the scientific reason of it. It just flows along the panel line, basically, and shades it for you straight away. Nice, nice. And then you just let that dry. Yep. So you can either let it dry naturally, or you can kind of wave a hairdryer over your model to heat it up and make the solvents evaporate faster. That's the other thing is they do evaporate quite fast, the solvents, so you can kind of dry things a bit quicker. Um, use odorless white spirits if you're going to do this, though, because otherwise that stuff stinks. You get a bit and You will get and, yeah. murdered by your significant other for gassing out the whole house. Yep. Not advisable. The other thing you can do is kind of just a general wash. So I did this in my Sectica me- Mechanicus terrain. Okay. Because there's so many details on those baseboards and everything. I just covered it in the oil wash, let it dry for a day, then wiped the oil wash off all the flat surfaces and left it in all the crevices. So, so, it, so a day so it hasn't fully dried, but it's settled enough in the recesses. Perfect. Yeah. He's got it. <laughs> yeah, and that's how, it, that's how I did it. And I'm doing the same on the Drakari. Yep. So that's how I did the oil wash. I co- covered them in the oil wash. Left it for a while. Left it. Wiped. Uh, I use a cotton bud, but in a bigger vehicle, you could use a piece of kitchen towel. Uh, anything that's not going to scratch the surface, basically. And you just wipe it over. And it took all the brown off the top of the armor plates, but left it all in the recesses. Looks quite nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, it, and it came out nicely in the picture you sent me. Yeah. And then all you've got to do after that, once you're happy with the level of the wash and the recess shading, etc., let it dry for a couple of days. And then you need to seal it with a matte sealant. So don't use purity seal, just in general. <laughs> um, go over with a matte sealing. We've mentioned varnishing in previous episodes. And you just seal it in with a matte coat so that the next layers you put on, your highlights, etc., aren't slipping off the model. They've got a matte surface to stick to like a normal highlight would. Nice, nice. And then just carry on building up your layers from there. Nice, I'll give it a go. Yeah, it's a lot easier than you think as long as you give it a chance to dry you can kind of play around with it because it basically the, the oil paint slips over the surface of the model so you, you can do quite a lot to work with it. Yeah, nice. So yeah, like I said, I'll give it a go. And that's pretty much all we've got time for now. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, you can catch us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Floorhammer Podcast, our website, floorhammerpodcast.com and our Instagram at floorhammer underscore podcast. Cheers guys for listening. Catch you next episode.